Welcome to Risk Watch, a podcast brought to you by VCheck Global that sheds light on emerging compliance and due diligence issues affecting private market investors, financial institutions, and global corporations. I'm your host, Alex Soren. On this episode of the podcast, I spoke with Laura Black and Christian Davis of the law firm Aiken Gump. Laura is a senior counsel at the firm and an expert on the intersection of foreign investment and national security issues. And Christian's a partner at the firm focused on U.S. law and policy affecting international trade and business, as well as representing clients before the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. The topic of our discussion was the likelihood and implications of an outbound investment regulation regime to protect U.S. national security interests that would screen and monitor outbound investment from the United States to countries of concern. You can find a link in the show notes to thought leadership on this topic written by Ken Gump, as well as how to get in touch with them. We had a great discussion, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, we're live. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having us. So as, as y'all noted in a recent piece that was published on the Aiken Gump website, the Departments of Treasury and Commerce recently submitted reports to Congress that describe plans that are under consideration to regulate outbound investment. So my question is, how did we get here? Where there's an increased consensus that there's a need for broader action to restrict outbound investment. Great. So both the executive branch and Congress for well over a year have been debating whether to regulate or restrict certain kinds of outbound investment to China and potentially other countries of concern. As you may be aware, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States has reviewed inward foreign investment for national security risks for about 30 years. There's growing concern about U.S. persons supporting China's indigenous technological development. Within the executive branch, it's focused mostly on national security concerns, for example, supporting technologies that could be used in a military conflict or potentially for human rights violations. In Congress, there is focus on national security concerns, but also economic competitiveness and supply chain concerns as well. So what's changed since 2018 when Congress decided to drop outbound investment regulation provisions? So in 2018, there was some discussion including outbound regulations in the Foreign Investment Risk Review Modernization Act, FIRMA, which expanded CFIUS's authority. At that time, there was a decision to expand export controls through a companion act that would control emerging and foundational technologies, which would be implemented by commerce. I think since then, there's been growing concern about sharing not only technical information, but other kinds of of support, providing fundraising support, other kinds of technical support that fall short of what would be covered by export control, but allow China's technological development. So these discussions that had been somewhat tabled from 2018 are back on the agenda. Mm -hmm. And how much of that is being driven by the geopolitical environment that that we've been watching over the last last year or so. Yeah, I I would certainly say that the deterioration of U.S.-China relations and increasing concerns about the technological advancement of of China, civil military fusion, human rights concerns, and the like are really fueling this effort to add additional tools to the toolkit of, of, of how to counter China and the Chinese Communist Party in these efforts. So you know, as, as time goes on, people look to fill gaps. And I think this is an area where, where there's a question about, in particular, should U.S. capital and U.S. investors be, be fueling the development of certain types of advanced technologies in China? And, and I think that's, that's why we are where we are. So China is definitely the focus of the proposed regulation at this point. But once this goes into effect, 
is there, I mean, this is going to expand to other countries eventually, correct? The expectation is that it would cover several countries of concern, Mm -hmm. most likely Russia, Cuba, North Korea, perhaps the Maduro government of Venezuela. So a lot of the focus and discussion has been on China, but it's likely that it would cover a small group of other countries. Right. So you touched on that there's a couple of concerns here. There's national security concerns, and then there's economic competitiveness concerns. What are the primary technologies and industries that that would fall under this regulation? So currently, the expectation is that it would cover semiconductors, quantum computing, and artificial intelligence, with artificial intelligence likely being the most difficult to define. These were technologies that NSA Sullivan raised in his speech last September. There was also apparently some discussion of including certain subsectors of biotechnology, but that appears to have dropped off for now. On the topic of AI being regulated in any outbound investment screening regime, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, is this more of an economic competitiveness issue or a national security issue or, or maybe both? Yeah, I think there really is an effort to try to keep this somewhat narrow and be more tied to national security. However, I, there's certainly a realization, and I think it's clear, for instance, from the CFIUS executive order that technology leadership in advanced areas is an issue of national security, you know, particularly in light of the potential for civil military fusion. Along those lines, I think an interesting issue with, with AI is you know, where do you draw the line in terms of what is an artificial intelligence company, given how common it is for companies of every flavor to be doing some sort of AI work? Mm-hmm. And, and just saying, you know, we're going to restrict AI or investment in AI isn't probably a workable outcome. And I think that is a difficult issue that they've been grappling with about how to be more targeted, how to keep it tied more closely to national security issues and not have the AI categories swallow you know, every single Chinese company. And I'll note the administration seems very cognizant of that. Treasury, Commerce, and NFC have been meeting repeatedly with industry to try to get input on how to properly scope that. So on that point of clarifying, you know, what is AI or what are any of these technologies that are going to be on the list, I'd be interested to hear from both you guys on when this is rolled out, if it is rolled out, is there usually some sort of an actual list of exact technologies and products that that cannot be sold? Or is there a certain level of interpretation that that's going to be implied? Because my question is, what are the risks facing investors if prohibited investments are not clarified beyond those that could result in the advancement of military and dual use technologies, which to me seems broad and subject to change over time? So the expectation is that there will be an executive order that will then be implemented through regulations. So we would expect the executive order to provide some broad contours if there are any immediately effective provisions, for example, with respect to prohibitions, we would expect those to be clearly laid out. Otherwise, as noted, we would expect there to be regulations that undergo a public notice and comment period that provide more specific definitions and then are updated based on on public feedback. Yeah. And in I, terms I, of implementability. Yeah, and I would say just the more prescriptive that you are in the regulations, I think the greater need there is for the more detailed rules. If you look, for instance, at the export control rules, which would impose a licensing requirement on specific transfers of technology, there are pretty detailed rules, in some cases very detailed rules, about you know, which technologies are covered. The CFIUS review process 
has some more general rules and that apply across all types of companies. And then there's guidance about, you know, the national security issues at play. And because that's more of a case-by-case analysis, I think there's more flexibility that's allowed in terms of determining you know, whether or not something is permissible and, and is ultimately cleared through the CFIUS process. But I, I think there are different approaches that are taken on these issues and it, and it largely depends on what kind of mechanism is built. And I think the importance of having certainty and clear definitions is greater when you're talking about prohibitions. We're expecting the executive order to set up broader notice requirements and then narrower prohibitions. So it's possible that AI in this first instance may fall more under the notification provisions to allow the government to collect information and provide a more detailed definition. Whereas I think something like semiconductors that have been regulated more through export controls may be easier to define for prohibitions. So there are different proposals out there for what the screening and monitoring program would look like. And when you look at the potential features, such as the government's ability to collect information about an investment that was made, to reviewing a proposed deal, what recommendations would you have for private equity and, and other investors when it comes to their due diligence efforts and being prepared for this regulation? Well, I think looking currently at, at what's being discussed as potentially within the scope of these of the outbound investment restrictions is important. And if you look and look at the categories, look at the ties to specific countries, particularly China, you know, if you're doing semiconductor investment or quantum investment or something that is, you know, advanced AI or something along those lines. I think that's something that you want to question at this point and say, you know, where does this this lie? You know, what is the future of this investment going to look like? And do we think that this is potentially something that could get swept up in in this new mechanism and consider whether or not that is something that that is an advisable investment at this point? I think that that would be the kind of approach at this point before the rules come out. Once the rules come out, I think there will be very clear It'll be much more clear, at least for the pendency of the executive order and any kind of you know pilot program that comes out of it, the approach that needs to be taken. You need to actually, if there's prohibitions, all right, that means that we actually cannot engage in these transactions. Do we need to look at the structure of, of how we're investing and consider whether or not it's it's swept up? And if it's I think the the you know the more nuanced question will likely come if there's a notification. And then deciding whether or not to proceed with investments that fall within the notification requirement, you know, given that it may or may not be an indication that this could be something that would, you know, draw scrutiny down the line or potentially be prohibited down the line. So from conversations that you guys have had with clients, is this an issue that's top of mind for investors right now? Or do you get the sense that unfortunately it may not be something that someone's on someone's radar until they get a request from the government similar to a, to a CFIUS request? I think some people are following this very closely and have been for many, many months, if not over a year, and are tracking this and, and thinking about the implications and are, you know, to some degree bracing themselves for the potential impact. In other cases, I think there are likely investors that haven't been paying a lot of attention are doing you know, less monitoring of this debate on in Washington and maybe kept, you know, caught somewhat off guard or are not considering the full ramifications of, of what the restrictions may be. And, and I think that will come as more of a challenge to them and a surprise. And uh, we'll, they'll need to you know, adjust more quickly when these rules do come out. So some U.S. investors like pension funds are heavily invested in China. What does this mean for them and also the performance of their portfolios? 
I think there's a real question whether or not to the first question, does this mean that, that they need to make any changes? It really depends on how the rules are ultimately and how the, how the regulations come out in terms of, of how they're scoped. Are they going to, for instance, capture limited partner investments that are coming into managed funds? You can certainly see a structure where it's really more the manager that needs to address this and that the investor, the limited partner, is more responsible for just ensuring that the manager is aware of the rules and you know, potentially building in some contractual assurances with them that their, their investment strategy is consistent with any potential restrictions. So I, I think there's a, a question that, you know, alternatively, the limited partner could be directly liable for that. And I think they'd want to take a, a more proactive role in ensuring that their investments are permissible under any investment restrictions. And then in terms of the long-term performance, that's another point that I think we'll, we'll need to watch. But my sense at the moment is that there won't be a requirement to divest from investments in these areas that are already made. But that's something that I think is likely something that we'll we'll have to see how that plays out and um, how do those investments ultimately perform, given that you know some sources of capital may be limited in the future. I think that could be actually affect the performance of some of these companies and and therefore affect existing investments by U.S. companies and and funds in this area. One thing I wanted to touch on was understanding what the government's expectations are when it comes to private sector compliance with with any future regulation. You know, around the FCPA, there's this idea of a reasonable effort, or you made your best effort to avoid running afoul of the law. And I'm interested to know if something similar is going to exist here. If you've seen something similar with 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 CFIUS, because you know there's a million considerations that investors look at in their their pre investment and their due diligence process. You know, and having them now add on a national security hat to this, and even instances of they try to do everything right, but you know they're exposed because they invested in a, in a company that said they did something they didn't actually do, or there was a hidden owner who was associated with a country of concern, or the technology they invested in is being used in a way that's inconsistent with U.S. values or, or national security interests. So, you know, a long way of saying, what is there an expectation from the government that investors are going to have to be extremely buttoned up in this regard, or is the expectation that they're just going to have to make a, a reasonable effort? I mean, I think there'll be an expectation of compliance, but I'll say in the CFIUS context, Treasury recently issued enforcement guidelines where it talks about mitigating and exacerbating factors when they issue penalties. And in the CFIUS context, there's often mitigation conditions. If parties violate them in a way that's not material, bring it to the attention of CFIUS. CFIUS will often work with the companies, for example, and save the penalties for more egregious violations or violations where the companies didn't conduct sufficient due diligence or misrepresented matters to CFIUS. I would expect at the beginning of the enforcement of this, those kind of matters would be taken into account. For example, if they attempted to comply, did the proper due diligence, that CFIUS or whoever administers this treasury would take those factors into account. And then from from your perspective, this does this seem like something that's imminent, like this is going to happen? So there's been some speculation that the executive order may come out on the margins of the G7 meeting, which is happening this weekend. We've received other indications that it may follow that by days or a couple of weeks, but we are expecting the executive order to come out in the relatively near term. So Laura, to wrap up, given your background at Treasury and, and your knowledge of CFIUS, what are your recommendations on steps that the Departments of Treasury and Commerce can take 
to ensure that any future screening mechanism is as effective as possible at achieving its stated goals, but also in fostering cooperation and collaboration with the private sector. So I will say when when we were working on FIRMA and the CFIUS implementing regulations, we met extensively with industry and other interested parties as we were trying to scope the regulations. We conducted a robust notice and comment and went through hundreds of comments and really tried to take that feedback into account in terms of making sure the regulations were clear and administrable and that they worked. Of course, the government can't take every comment given national security goals, but that kind of robust and continuing engagement, I think, helps ensure the success of these kind of programs. So that would be both in the lead up to launching the new program, as well as continuing meetings, getting feedback from industry as they continue to implement it. Also say, and drawing on my um, experience with CFIUS, we engaged extensively with allied governments to try to work with them to implement similar laws within their own jurisdictions to prevent risk and transactions from simply migrating to foreign jurisdictions. So I think both that internal focus and the external international focus will be important for the long-term success of the program. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, look, I really appreciate both of you coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. It's been a really great discussion and I wish you the best of luck and, and thank you again. Thank you.